Yeah. Welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. This is the first episode of season three. That's right. We are on episode 101 and we thank you for walking this journey with us. This episode is sponsored by HeritageHipHop.com. We are more than music and we introduce you to your future favorite artists today. We are also more than music and we celebrate with great interviews, great exclusive music and this wonderful podcast, which is available on HeritageHipHop.com. We are also sponsored by Transparent Credit Repair, the superheroes of the financial literacy and credit repair world. Change your life in 15 seconds by going to HeritageHipHop.com and clicking on the link for Transparent Credit Repair. By filling out the application, you get 20% off of all services given by Transparent Credit Repair. Change your life with 15 seconds by doing the application and opening your wallet to receive more income instead of paying out more debt. On this episode, the first episode of season three, we talked to a new artist from Philadelphia, UN, and he has a very interesting concept and concept album called Sad Boy Season. And you got to hear it to understand who he is and how he views life and hip hop. So please stay tuned to this interview and I will be back with the rest of my commentary at the end of the session. Peace and blessings and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast where we introduce you to your future favorite artist today by giving you a depth, in-depth interview in depth of the artist. And today I have an up-and-coming new artist on the line. Please introduce yourself to the people. What's up? I'm UN, a.k.a. Designer Baby Boy, a.k.a. Dirtbag Bastard. What's good, man? I'm glad to be here. Hey, man, you know, it's, it's always good to hear new voices and be introduced to new sounds. Now, I don't really know much about you, so we're going to have to make this a scratch interview. So let's start from scratch. Where are you from? I am from a suburb of Philadelphia. I live probably 20 minutes away. It's called Newtown. It's in Bucks County. Um, definitely a suburbs kid. Okay. Okay. So being that you took it there. You're a suburb kid, which means that you're not in the city grounded, which is fine because I don't have stigma. Because music goes any and everywhere is able to be heard. How did music hit your heart, and what made you want to do it? How, how I kind of discovered hip-hop music, my dad um, was really into – he was a punk in the 80s, and he used to just drive me around. And I, for some reason, at that same time as a kid, he fell in love with hip-hop. So he was driving me around blasting, you know – Tupac and Dr. Dre, The Chronic, Snoop Dogg, uh, Tribe Called Quest, Farside. So I grew up with a lot of, you know, hip-hop roots, and I grew up hearing nothing but that. Um, so I always was kind of in love with it, infatuated with it. And then um, there, I always tell this story, but there was a middle school bus ride. It was an eighth-grade field trip uh, to Six Flags. And we get back on the bus, and everybody is blasting music from their iPod speakers. You remember that shit. And um, there, there's like ra- they're rapping on a, on a like I guess a little Wayne beat. They're freestyling, and I go back there and I'm thinking like, this is horrible. Like these these guys are horrible. They don't know what they're doing. Like I could do better than this. So I go back and I kind of roast every single kid that's rapping. And when I'm done, everybody kind of looks at me and they're like, dude, that was like really good. You should do that. So ever since then, I was just freestyling everywhere I could. Like everybody was turning up at parties. I was in the back freestyling. Football games. I wasn't watching it. I was outside freestyling it. People just knew me from that, and um, I got in a lot of trouble as a kid. You know, I did go to the city a lot, actually, and, um, you know, I was doing some things I probably shouldn't be doing into some things I shouldn't be doing, and uh, 
kind of got away from that before things got real bad, and uh, I just discovered music and hit the ground running from there. That's cool. That's cool. So, so music helped you find yourself and your voice. One hundred percent, man. There is no music without me, and and vice versa. I like that because at the end of the day, when you hear music, music is your connection to a higher power and a higher creative source. What is the most creative thing that came from you that you didn't even know you had when you started doing music? Definitely melodies. Um, I grew up kind of rapping bars, you know, um, a lot of heavy metaphors and, you know, the simple structure. And when I started really getting into the studio um, day in and day out and grinding, I found like I really had a, a ear for melodies and I was able to stretch myself beyond just rapping bars and kind of incorporating that. Definitely melodies. I, I didn't even know I was capable of that stuff. Melodies, melodies, melodies. Melodies are something that's very burst. You know what I'm saying? And when I say burst, I mean you either have it or you don't. You know, because my my thing, I don't have I have a gripe with today's so-called hip hop because it's not hip hop. It's a derivative. <laughs> it's really a derivative because melodic rap and melodic trap is two different things. What do you consider yourself, melodic rap or melodic trap? Um, I would say definitely melodic rap. I, I try to blend as many genres as I can into one thing. Uh, I'm not, you know, you've heard the record. I'm not necessarily a trap artist, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, y'all heard the record, but the the people need to know your concept because I want them to I want them to invest in you. So I want them to hear what you say and what you believe and what you think because that's how you're going to build your audience. You know what I'm saying? Certainly. Well. Simply put, I mean, my music is me. You know, I think a lot mm -hmm. of people rap to get paid, but I, I like to say I rap to be great, you know. And my music, you know, I, I try to put a lot into it. it it's it, I sort of metabolize what's going on around me, and I, I put that on, on a record, you know. So everything that you hear is a piece of me, a piece of my life, whether it's a happy love song or uh, a sad song about, you know, someone passing or, you know, what I've been through in my life, my specific struggle, you know, everything is very specific to me. And I think that's what sets me apart because like you said, I, I, a lot of rap today is very derivative. You know, they're rapping about the ops or chasing a bag or smashing this side or whatever. And that's great. I listen to a lot of that, but it, it sounds manufactured. It doesn't sound real. And I, I think for me, you at least get some sort of semblance of, of real authenticity the way that I want to put it forth. No, a lot of rap today is shit. <laughs> you can be nice all you want. I'm not going to be. It's, it's 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 garbage. It's a lot of garbage out there. But it's not garbage because the artists aren't good. I think the the intent is not good. Like you said, a lot of people are doing things because they think it's hot. They're not doing things because they want to last or, or be relevant. And what we call relevant right now is youthful stupidity or ignorance. I want to talk to you about some of this because on the record, Christopher Wallace, you said Biggie died on your birthday, correct? He certainly did, March 9th, rest in peace. And see, that showed me when you said that in your bar, you was like, I was like, okay, so at least he he was taught something, you know, because hip-hop was taught two ways. You either taught hip-hop, the music culture, or you taught hip-hop since Biggie and Pac. Well, how were you taught? You were taught the hip-hop culture, correct? Certainly I was, and, and I fell in love with it on, on my own side as well. And I love Chief Keith, you know, just as much as I love Biggie or just as much as I love Max B, you know, I, I love CL Smooth or, or Eric B. and Rakim, you know. 
Um, so I sort of, I bridged the line, I think. You know, I, I mm-hmm. did grow up on a lot of traditional hip-hop, but I also respect the new school stuff. I mean, my influences mm-hmm. are anywhere from, you know, Max B to, you know, Prodigy. So I, I try to incorporate a lot of that and show respect to that at the same time. And I think that's what's important. And I think a lot of the artists that will stand the test of time do things in a new and innovative way that's relevant, but also pay respect to the people that came before them. Because you have to. You have to. You're right. You have to. But I don't think – you know what's unfair about your generation? I'm going to be honest with you. For some reason, your generation is being given the, you have to know this to be great. Well, that's not necessarily true. Now, for instance, you may not know who Grandmaster Kaz is. You don't have to know Grandmaster Kaz to be a great artist. Some people in your generation have never heard a Biggie Small song ever. That's okay. But for this generation that you belong in, some people are so ardent on calling your generation so unhip-hop that they negate the fact that you are hip-hop and they lose out on your voice. How dangerous is that in your opinion? And what are you saying that you think they can relate to only if they gave you a chance? Well, I think it's I think it's dangerous to shut anybody down because there's people that have you know, you're right. They've never listened to anything. And when I say it's important to pay respect, I mean, that's just how I feel because I was, you know, raised on that specific vein. But I think, you mm-hmm. know, genius can come from anywhere. Artists can come from anywhere. And I think to say, oh, you're not hip-hop or, or that's not hip-hop because you're not cognizant of these things, I think that's not very hip-hop because, you know, before, you know, Grandmaster Flash and Cool Herc and, and all of them did their thing, there was no hip-hop to base hip-hop on. You know what I mean? So so people getting it out the mud and, and creating it DIY their own way, I mean, that's just as much hip-hop as, as what they were doing in New York. So I think it is dangerous when you shut somebody down in that way, um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's the one thing I don't like about how hip-hop is going. We suffer from what Rayaboneism. You know what Rayaboneism is? I'm not sure, no. Okay, so in the Bible, right? King Solomon died. Everybody knows about David and Solomon, right? Mm-hmm. But after Solomon, Rehoboam was his son. He was the heir to the throne. And Rehoboam was the young king who didn't listen to his elders. And the elders and the um young youth split. And that's when the kingdom of Israel got turned into two different places, two different kingdoms under two different jurisdictions. You had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The bottom line of me putting that in, in is because there's a great divide by age and age has never been something that you gauge music on like have you ever went to the store had an album and it says you must be this old to listen to this album because you won't get it (laughs) parental advisory yes no no parental advisory means it's cursing on this album it did not mean that you couldn't listen to the album and enjoy it Mm. see what i'm saying yes and i hate that that's what the new generation of people of hip-hop of news the new stars are being slandered with because the first thing they say is do they rhyme or they sing are they doing that boobity shit mumbling or are they rapping you 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 come in with so many stigmas how does music free you from the stigma and let you be the man you were meant to be well from for me and and myself there is definitely stigma music but for me and myself i I try not to pay attention to that because music Mm -hmm. 
you know, if you put sanctions and conventions on it for me, me as an artist, I feel like that kind of inhibits what I'm able to do. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, music is so much more than you can do this or you can do that. For me, music is just uplifting. Music is sort of why I do everything that I do. So I, I don't necessarily pay attention to the outside in that regard. I sort of create very internally in my own little bubble because it, it brings me peace and it brings me creative energy. And, you know, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I, I I don't know. I feel like like I'm, I sort of isolate myself in that sense, I think. Hmm. Isolation is what it takes to be great, though. Because when you run in a pack of wolves, you know what happens when the wolves run in a pack, correct? <laughs> Tell me. When wolves run into a pack, they're considered a dangerous force. But if one wolf is picked out to be the weak link, every wolf turns on that wolf. And then that wolf is forced to be alone. Now, there's only two types of wolves that survive. Alpha male wolves who may have lost their spot, who can make another group, or the wolf that can be a loner. And that's how you have to always get the, the, um, the, the nickname the lone wolf, which means you can fend for self. You, you see what I'm saying? Certainly. Your isolation can make you great, not dependent. How has isolating yourself made you great and show you that you don't need other people to be great? Well, I definitely... I definitely need other people to be great, for sure. Um, but just more my team, people I trust, people I love, like my photographer, my videographer, my manager, uh, my engineer. These are all people I've known for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. you know, my, my pack is is a pack of lone wolves, and I, I think I kind of sort of strove to find that. Um, mm. but, but because if you're with everyone and they follow with just what you say, you're not going to get anywhere. It's, it's the blind leading the blind. If, if you're in a group of people that has their own will and has their own input and is going to tell you something's trash or is going to tell you what's good or what's not good, that's important rather than a blind pack of followers. So I definitely try to surround myself with like-minded individuals that are, are wanting to progress with me, that believe in, in the mission. Um, but as far as isolation in a literal sense for me, um, it's been great because especially with this pandemic, you know, a lot of people saw it as a curse, but I took it as a blessing because I'm in the lab, you know, three times a week we're working. When I'm not there, we're directing videos or we're shooting vlogs or we're in the studio. So it's helped me kind of up my work ethic to a tremendous point. Um, I already have another tape done. I have countless songs on release. So it's really helped with my work ethic. It kind of lit the fire under me because if you can't go outside, you're going to stay in and create and plan, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely, because planning is the key to success. A man that fails to plan is a man that plans to fail, hands down, hands down. And by putting your by putting your creativity first and not the dreams of others first, you are able to find the inner you, and that's how you found your melodies, correct? I would, yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree. I like that. So let me ask you this question. What is the thing about the melody that makes the song apparent to you so that you can create it? I think it hits you in your spine, uh, if, if that makes sense. Um, okay. I, I feel like melody melody resonates. I mean, you have to have something substantial with that melody that carries, but melodies always resonated. And I think that's across hip-hop, too, like even in production. I always bring up, uh, you know, Troy, they reminisce over you as, as that example. When you hear that first, you know, that first instrumental hit, it hits you right in the spine. And I think, you know, a lot of people nowadays have learned to use their voice to accomplish that same task. 
So, so really? that's kind of what I look for. Uh, a whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, 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 wait. I got to cut you off there. This is the greatest <laughs> interview ever because now we're going to debate. Now, wait, wait. I love this. You think people finding melody in their voices is just as powerful as people finding the, the soul and melody in an instrument? Well, I think a lot of people have learned to use their voices as the instrument. Um, by no means am I saying that uh, they reminisce over you as any, like, could, you know, an A Boogie song would stand up to that. It, it wouldn't. Um, but <laughs> I, I I agree. I think, you know, I love A Boogie too, but um, I think <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I think people use their voices as an instrument more than ever in a very genre-bending way. That's very interesting. I've never heard somebody put it to me that way. And I'm glad you did because now I have something to think about. Because I'm going to tell you this. I think hip-hop doesn't have music in it. And let me explain that to you. And you can tell me what you think because I don't, I don't see myself as the end-all of all opinions. I love to hear what people think. You know what I'm saying? I love conversation. And I want to know what you think. I think hip-hop really does not have any music to it really anymore. And the people who use music are the people who stand out. Because all if you have is hi-hats, 808s, and people singing every goddamn thing. You don't really have soul. You have people pushing their spirit on you. Now, soul is the thing that captures the spirit and brings it alive. Spirit is just a life, a, a liveliness to a beat. You could be alive and dead at the same time, and it still has spirit, you know? Whether it's a dead spirit, evil spirit, good spirit, loving spirit, whatever. Um, What do you feel about that? How do you feel about that statement? Um. I think it's I think it's very subjective. I think that's a okay. very subjective uh, thing to say. Not in a not in a negative or, or positive way. Doesn't um, matter. I, I just want to know how you feel. It's all good. I totally understand what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I think I think there's less soul. I think there's a lot less soul because there's this, sort of this Ford assembly line of of rappers today and a Ford assembly line of of producers. You know, mm -hmm. people say you hear a lot of things like. Oh, I made 30 beats in one night, or I made 52 songs in one night. And, like, I'm a freestyle artist. Like, I know what it means to create a lot at one time. But mm -hmm. if you really are an artist, you really have that soul or and that spirit, you, you're you not the type to make 50 songs in one night because it, mm -hmm. it's quality over quantity. And I, I think that is sort of what hip-hop hip -hop is suffering from, and it also relates back to what you're referring to. Okay. There's a lack of soul because it's quality, it's quantity over quality these days. That's, um, that's an interesting point. Yeah, keep going. That's Go ahead. Right. And but I think there is sort of soul in hip hop, even in a literal sense. I mean, you look at you know what Anderson Pack's doing, and you know I'm not I'm not an expert. You know I'm sort of a guest in hip hop. Mm, um, but that's interesting. I'm a, I'm a guest here, but I think that you know Anderson Pack and and people like him, what they're doing. I would say is fairly soulful and, and chance and chance the rapper. I feel like they're not his most recent projects, but if you listen to acid mm. rap or some tracks on coloring book, I think there's a lot of spirit and, and soul there, but it's subjective. It's a good point. Look, I, I, like I said, I love this because that is a matter of perspective. And how do you argue perspective? You don't You either accept it, agree to disagree or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And right, I believe there's, there's soul in hip hop. I do. Because I'm around it. I see it. I hear it. But the mainstream money-making machine doesn't take soul 
at all. There is no soul to it. Um, as much as I love Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B, that's very limited on them because they can make a song about saving children and, and, and giving back, and people won't buy it. But as long as they shake their ass, everybody wants to most wants to shake their ass and give them money, and that 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 puts them in a box. And the same thing with today's generation. If a lot of the today's generation don't do the same shit everybody else does, then a lot of people don't want to listen to it because either the song's too long or the the, the beat is different. And, and that right there kills what I think you're, you go against, and that's the willingness to grow with the artist. How do you I'm feel really about that? Wow, I love this, man. I really love that. I love that question, seriously. Because um, I think I think about that all the time. And I think the best thing to do as an artist, if you want to retain, you know, keep, stay true to yourself, we'll say, and still have mainstream success or break into the mainstream industry while keeping that integrity, you sort of have to subvert everything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you listen to a lot of my record, uh, there is a lot of depth there. There's a lot of good writing there. But there's also catchy melodies and catchy hooks that sort of distract you from what I'm really saying. But the people that are hip-hop heads, maybe, or the people that care about writing or, or the realness of, of hip-hop might listen to my track and really listen to the lyrics and, and understand that. And I think that's sort of how you, you maintain. You sort of subvert the depth underneath the poppy sound. And I don't think that compromises anything. I think it makes it more three-dimensional in a way. And there's a lot of successful artists that have done that. I mean, you take Kendrick Lamar, for, for example. Um, the song Swimming Pools was, a, I think, its number one hit. But Swimming Pools is about suffering from alcoholism and how alcoholism has affected his family and how it affects his mental state. But you hear it and you think it's this trap banger about getting smashed. And it yeah. is, but it's a lot more than that underneath, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Also, um... See, your project, Spectre, is a song that's very deeply written. Tell me about Spectre. <laughs> sure. Um, so the entire album, um, I was really deep in the recording process, and I, I was in a relationship with a girl, and she was, like, crazy. Um, but I was, <laughs> pretty, I was in love with her. Like, she literally was crazy. And so a lot of that album is sort of a progression of our relationship in a way and I made it organically. So mm-hmm. as things were getting bad, I was making darker songs. When things were great, I was making songs like Christopher Wallace and Westwood. And I was, you mm-hmm. know, going to L.A. and Miami, so it was all very positive. But Spectre is sort of at the very end of the tape. I think it's one of the last songs. And yeah, it is. Um, it's sort of just about leaving a, leaving a girl behind in a way, you know, and, you know, Ghosting her in a literal but metaphorical sense, too. It's sort of like, I, I can't really sustain this toxicity. I can't take it anymore. But at the same time, I, I'm obsessed with you and I can't stop thinking about you. And that, that's sort of the essence of, of Spectre, I would say. Yeah, because see, when you make a good song, sometimes, no, let me pull that back. Because we're talking about song and tracks soon. When you write a good song, sometimes the lyrics can live by themselves without the melody. We call that poetry. How poetic is music or the music you make, and why do you keep it set that way? Um, I'd say some of my music is very poetic and, and others aren't. And I, I sort of I freestyle a lot of my stuff, so it's mm-hmm. sort of what whatever comes to my mind. Um, and 
I love poetry, you know. I mean, of course, I love the poetry of, of rap music. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say the poetry comes the poetry comes when the song's more emotional. I think emotion for me brings out that poetic side. Okay, I, I appreciate that. That's what's up because poetry is the beginning of one's creative self. Hip hop is the beginning of one's self put the rhythm because poetry has stanzas, hip hop has verses and bars. You see what I'm saying? Because a haiku is not a 16, but they both can give you direction if you understand the language of the music or the the the, uh, the essence of the writer itself. What's more dangerous, for a person to like a song without knowing the artist or a person to love the artist and be blinded to their music? I think the I think the second one is more dangerous. Being blinded to the music and loving the artist? Oh, Again, it's it's such a difficult question because you you might love an artist, but being ignorant to the fact that their music has has faltered, I think that's dangerous to the artist, and that's dangerous for music as a whole. And that mm-hmm. might sound insane, but it's like you know I might love I love Chief Keef, right? I love Chief Keef, and I don't mm-hmm. care how anyone feels about Chief Keef. I get why you would feel the way you do, but okay. you know. He he made he made a lot of interesting music to me. I think he pushed the boundaries of what trap music could be, and he makes horrible music now to me. And that's no disrespect. I love Chief Keef. Um, everybody has a run, so it's all good, right? But everybody still loves his stuff, and they're promoting it. And I think that's detrimental because when he was getting a lot of hate early on—not hate, but criticism—he was sort of changing his sound, not to meet the expectations of other people but putting it in a better territory. And I think okay. it's, it's, it is dangerous when you sort of criticize, you don't criticize someone and you just blindly love them because they put out trash. So then I'm going to ask you, what's the difference between a track and a song? Well, a track is, <laughs> a track is just, you know, whatever you want it to be. Anyone can make a track. You get a studio, you get on SoundCloud, you made a track. Congratulations. Making a song is sort of where you put forth yourself and your artistry in full force, um, unabashedly and unapologetically. And I think that's the difference. That's when a song differs from a track. Okay. I'm going to rock with you on that, and I'm going to continue to add to it. When somebody says I made 52 songs in a night, they're fucking lying. They made 52 tracks. A song is the pinnacle of sound, a collaboration of Melody and music and the heart and soul of a, of a, of a creator or artist put together. And that's why I think everybody who's doing music who does the same thing is full of shit. Because they're not making music. They're not making songs. They're making tracks. And when, and it's not their fault. Because like I said, with no A&R and no artist development, you're developing in front of our eyes in full in, in, in real time. So for me, it's very hard for me to come down on somebody because I don't. I just know if it's not for me. But it's, it's very interesting that I have to say, okay, I'm going to take this journey with you where most people is microwave. Is it done? Well, then fuck it. I don't like them. They're corny. And that's the thing that I think that separates a music lover from a person who just loves music. Do, do you agree or disagree? I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. 
So let's make music better tonight. Everybody, we're, we're talking to You Win, whose new album, what's the album again? Tell them, tell them. Sad, Sad Boy Season on all platforms Which is, now. Uh, uh, we'll talk about that soon because we don't, we don't support the platforms. But You Win has an album, and he's, we're talking about making music better because most of the music out today is garbage. You don't have to say it, I will. And I believe, once again, he's, he's, he's pushing back, and I love this, is because he feels that everybody has the soul. If I, hope, I hope I'm not saying this wrong. If I am, I'm telling you. Everybody has the soul, but because of too much coming out at one time, we're not able to appreciate the soul of the artist that's making it. That's how you feel? To an extent, I think I don't think everyone, I don't think everybody has the soul, no. I okay. Think, I think you either have it or you don't have it. Um, but otherwise, yes, for sure. So check this out. Let's talk the game. Triple H. It's time to play the game. You ready? Yes, this is what we're gonna this is what we're gonna do. Hip hop started out out of pain and people made music to change the culture of violence within the inner city. Okay? So then from that came, you know what? I could put hip hop on a record and then hip hop made music. Then in the nineties money started getting funneled in. In the 2000s, bigger business came out because of the money. And now due to streaming, everybody has a chance to get something, and the oversaturated thing happened. How does the Internet help you as an artist, and how does it hurt you as an artist? Well, uh, it's the greatest double-edged sword that was ever invented, I think. Um, mm. Because on one hand, you're more visible. But because everyone is more visible, oversaturation occurs to the point where you might not be seen. You might be ten times better than another person, but because they have better leverage on the Internet, they're more visible. So it's definitely a double-edged sword. So how were you visible when you made the song Drift? What did you want people to see? Well, I wanted people to understand um, that whatever they're going through, however they love or if they're out of love, you know, the brevity of it is, you know, you can sort of enjoy that. You know, good time or bad time, it's your time. Long time or short time, it's still time. Whatever the time was, mm. painful or positive, you experienced it, and you should enjoy that, the fact that you've got to experience it. I love that answer because all you did was describe life. And nowadays, people don't appreciate life. You're a smart young man, so I'm going to ask you a very smart question. What are the three things people will buy for the rest of the creation of life? Food. Yep. Entertainment. You got it. What's the last one? Resources, as in, like, wood, like, basic resources, something to... Build, fix a house or fix a leak or fix a street, re, like physical resources. No, absolutely wrong. No, because no. everybody doesn't own, and that's the problem. We're going to talk about that too. Mm. Three things people always buy for the rest of their lives. Entertainment, food, and caskets. That's it. <laughs> Someone's always going to die, and you got to get rid of them, whether you burn them up or you put them in the ground. Mm. Someone's always going to eat because that need is a hunger to the point where we call other people food when we still or we're hungry for success means we want to get somewhere else and we got to feed our need to survive. 
And entertainment will always be bought because whether you want to have sex, you want to get high, you want to dance, you want to watch the Snyder Cut, so you're going to buy a TV and get HBO Max, <laughs> you want to have Spotify or something, you invest your time. So you're going to always invest in that. And there's only three gods that people, everybody in the world in, 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 recognizes, whether you're Christian, Buddhist, atheist, it doesn't matter. There's three gods you always, you always adhere to. That's your lust, that's your belly, and death. And those are the three things music caters to. Why do you think people are against life music? And, 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 and how important is it for you to create life music? I think people are against life music, as you put it, because they view it as nobody wants to hear happy shit because I think we live in, in a world of gray to some extent. And I think people would mm. rather revel in their own misery than their own happiness, you know. I think that's a big factor in it. And I think for a large part of history, that's always been the case. The neg You know, mm. sex sells, as they say, like negativity yes, sells, controversy sells. You know, a lot of people are more likely to click on the shade room than they are to look into the, you know, I don't know, philanthropy section of, of the, you know, the blog site or whatever. You know, I think that's always been the case. Um, and you were asking how, what I do to make life music or? Yep. Because you don't have music about death and getting killed and shoot somebody and rot. You have life music. You talk about issues and things about your life. So why do you make life music? Why is that important to you? Well, um, because I try to live in the moment. I, I live every second of, of every day, and I, I try to make the most of it. So when I rap, I mean, I'm going to rap about life because that's what I try to, to live out every day. I mean, that sounds simple, but it, it's just, I don't know. I like to live. <laughs> there was a time when I didn't think I, I you know, was going to make it to 20. So I think, you know, any time after that, uh I have to make life music because I was allowed to live past this point, you know? Salute to you. You was riding with the Broad Street Bullies, huh? Salute <laughs> to you. I, 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 I appreciate that about your answer and about you because a lot of people don't appreciate life. And you know how I know? Because I look at how we talk about ourselves like you just did today. My album is on all these platforms. Fuck the platforms. It's your album. Talk you up. Don't talk the platform up. And I'm not against the platforms in any way. Is We were taught how not to appreciate ourselves. We were taught to appreciate the machine. And the machine is far worse than what we think. And that's why good music is necessary. Tell me about SNS and why that's a necessary song. Sorry, not sorry. Um, well, it, it's necessary because I feel like some people need to hear it. Some people need to hear it because they're not willing to tell their significant other pause. Like, <laughs> wait, we need to – no, seriously. Like, people are caught up in all these toxic situations. They don't want to breathe for themselves. So Sorry Not Sorry came about um, – I was in Los Angeles um, for the first time ever, and I was doing some work out there, and I heard this beat. And this girl that I was talking about, was giving me a lot of trouble, and she called me, and I was like, look, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry right now. Like, we can talk about this when I get back to PA. And that just inspired the song, you know, right away. And when I got back, things weren't the same, and I, I kind of ended things. Like, so that was how you got the left my heart in L.A. part 
and mm-hmm. um, just me talking about her and how she's feeling um, and how she's making me feel. It was sort of a give pause, let me have time for myself. You need to ruminate on the situation as well. And I think that's a message that a lot of people need to hear. Yes, they do, because you know what? People are bathed in fear. People, You can smell fear on people, you know? People are afraid to lose their relationships. People are afraid to lose their job. We didn't even talk about life yet. People are afraid to lose their standard of living rather than their life because people would rather die to be content than live to be happy. Ain't that a bitch? Part of my language. <laughs> but it's the truth. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's very evident in the music we make and the, make and the lifestyles we choose to live. How has music made your life more fruitful than just something that you just do? Well, I I do this full-time now. So it, it's my mm-hmm. it's always been my dream, and it's made my life fruitful in every way because, you know, I was going through a lot of stuff before I started making music, and, and that stuff is kind of, of gone, and it music really helped me get to myself again and discover who I was as a person. So after the point of me being where I'm at now, life is just more fruitful, period. Music changed my perspective on on everything, making it, creating it, listening to it. So um, it's made my it's made my life more fruitful purely by helping me push myself and existing. Hmm. Existing. Let's talk about your existence and your love of music. When you were a kid, what was your thing? Were you in like video games, comic books? Like, what was your thing? Um, I was a big reader. I, I read a lot and I listened to a lot of music. Um, and I used What's to one of your favorite write. books? What's one of your favorite um, books? Hmm, a Clockwork Orange, probably, by Anthony Burgess. You know that's one of the greatest movies ever made, yo? I agree. I love that movie. Remember how the dude was dancing and kicking the dude on the ground? <laughs> yeah. He that's life. Yeah. That's life. Because life beats you the hell down if you let it. Clockwork Orange was a movie about the mind, was it not? Certainly it was. The the character was so, I don't remember his name. What was the guy in the white with the red orange hair? What's his name again? Alex. Alex oh, yes. Large. Yes, yes. He was so genre-bending that they put him in a video game. Did you know that? No, I didn't know they put him in a video game. There's a video game called Fatal Fury with Terry Bogart. A.K.A. the Lone Wolf sounds familiar, or the Hungry Wolf, whatever, right? And I think it's maybe it's Fatal Fury, Wild Ambition, and the guy from Clockwork Orange is the final character. And when I saw that, I said, "Yo, they did it," because they married the theme of psycho psychology and victory. What's the biggest victory you've got from doing music, and it made you a better man? Hmm. The biggest victory from a career standpoint, I think, for me was on a simple term. I was I got a music video out, and they and that was really great. But also, um, I got in the source, and that was like a huge thing for me. Not because I could tell people that I was in the source magazine, but just because like the greats, the people that I looked up to, um, the people that amazed me as a child, like they were in that magazine. So to be in that magazine, I, I felt like blessed to even be considered to be near those people in print, you know? Um, you made history. <laughs> yeah. You can't take that away. That'll always be there. Um, 
but in terms of like artistry wise, I think the most beautiful thing is is having people from Germany like reach out to me on the internet and tell me like how this song or that song really helped them or how this song changed how they feel. Like that that's really important to me. I think that's one of my biggest uh successes you could say. And I'll salute you for it. So tell everybody about the album Sad Boy Season and why that's something that they need to hear and to go get that right now. Sad Boy Season is great. There's so much range in there. It's you're gonna laugh, you're gonna cry, you're gonna think. It's a smorgasbord of hip hop and melody. It's it's great and it's different and it's new. It's it's not like what you're hearing on the radio and you need to hear it because something's gonna get stuck in your head. Something's going to get stuck in your heart, and something is going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> and I like that analogy. So with that being said, everybody, I want you to go check out You Win's album, Sad Boy Season, out right now. But Heritage Hip Hop does not believe in streaming. Stream to see if you like it. But if you find something you like or you love, we ask that you buy it. Because by sowing into the artist, you guarantee yourself more music. And you show the artist appreciation so they can create more music. In the world where we have the Texas grid going down, Donald Trump's presidency in the division of a nation, and people storming the Capitol, anything can happen. So if the Internet just so happens to go down, where are you going to get your music if you don't have it? So be sure you buy your music and show the artist that you appreciate them. You agree, sir? Certainly I do. That's what I'm talking about. And with that being said, everyone, we're going to go into the second part of our interview, which is called the Rapid Fire Questions. You want to play this game with me? Fuck yeah, let's do it. That's my guy. Everybody, here we go. The Rapid Fire Questions, for those of you who don't know, are our questions that are not yes-no questions. They show the depth and range of the artist and the genre of music that they chose. So we're going to begin. Question number one. The album cover has a pink Playboy rabbit on it. What was the creativity or the or the message behind it that made you want to put that on the album? So that's what we call the Sad Boy Bunny. Uh, it was a graphic that I came up with. It's the Playboy Bunny crying, smoking a cigarette. And that was kind of a metaphor for me and how I felt about myself at the time. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but it, 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 just, it was a metaphor for me, I think. Okay. I like that. So then keeping the theme to yourself... What's easiest to create from, joy or pain? Hmm, definitely pain. Definitely pain. Why? Um, I think that pain is just easier to draw from. I feel like there's a lot more of it in the world, and there's a lot more of it in a lot of aspects of my life, unfortunately. Wow, that's deep. So then what song or album perfectly describes you from another person's catalog, not your own? Um, Mac Miller's Faces uh, is very relatable to me, and Good I Am by him as well. Mac Miller was a big loss to the hip-hop community. Um, do you agree, and why? I agree. Um, it seemed like every time he would drop an album, I was going through a different phase in my life, and a lot of the lyrics always really resonated with me. Um, so when he's gone, you know, there's no, there's no more of that. Uh, I don't get to have that experience, and nobody else does. Hmm. So you grew up with him. He's your he's your he's your hip hop um measuring stick. One of them, yeah, one of them for sure. And who's the other? 
there's quite a bit. Um, definitely Kendrick. Uh, okay. Low Wayne to some extent um, in a lot of ways, um, and Kanye. I like it. Let's continue this interview and, and, and stick to that theme. If you had the opportunity to make your dream song, who would you make your song with? Dead or alive, no restrictions. Are you, who's on the who's on the track with you or on the song with you, and who does the beat? DJ Premier and Kurt Cobain do the beat, and okay. who is on the track with me? Man, oh man, that's so difficult. That's so hard, mm-hmm. man. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. Probably Mac Miller and Prince. That would be awesome. Nah, that would be crazy. That would be great because at the end of the day, you have an eclectic mind with an eclectic rapper. <laughs> and and, then, and then, then the thing is, where do you fit in? So how do you think you fit into that track? I think I have one hell of a verse, and I let those geniuses get to it. I <laughs> said I think I think Prince would probably handle the hook, and and Mac would probably get the second verse, and Primo and and Kurt would probably come up with something absolutely unheard of for the beat. I like that. I like that. Hip hop is always being pushed into the future. What do you think is the future of hip hop, and what do you think stops it from getting there? Hmm. Well, I think the future of hip hop, unfortunately, is. A lot of brevity and a lot of punk. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily positive in a lot of ways. And I don't think it's it's negative to a lot of people either. Okay. Okay. So punk has its own different voice. What is the voice you think hip-hop has not heard yet that you're waiting for it to recognize and listen to? I don't know. I think I'm still waiting to answer that question myself, to be honest. Interesting. Okay. That's very dangerous within itself. Because a lot of people tell me the, the answer to those questions. And someone's like, well, I heard everything. And I'm like, really? And we have new messages given, given to us every single day, whether it's racism, hatred, stimulus checks. You know, we got Stimmy mm-hmm. and Moneybag Joe now. That's new slang and vocabulary. So <laughs> the something. Yeah, everything changes daily. So for us to say we don't, that we heard everything, that is dangerous. And for you to say you're still waiting to hear it, that means you're keeping an attentive ear. So I want to ask you this question. Define music in five albums. Music as a whole. Music as a whole. <laughs> That's hard. Uh, Illmatic. Mm-hmm. Has to be Illmatic. Um, Purple Rain. Mm. Five albums. You got three to go. Eight Awaits and Heartbreaks. Mm. Really? And. Mm. Got two more. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love is Rage by Lil Uzi Vert. And. Mm. Um, shit. Music as a whole. Yep, you got one more. Oh, man. The Rolling Stones, Some Girls. And I can explain all of that if you want. Oh, be my guest. Go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I, chose those albums because, I chose those albums. Yeah, Illmatic. 
is the staple hip hop album to me. I think it's for a lot. It's the perfect hip hop album. It's what a hip hop album should be. I think it's the gold standard. It's the gold okay. standard to me. Okay. Um, the second one was Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Yep. I mean, I think that helped change. If you look into it, it changed a lot of music production as a whole. But also, I think it sort of defined pop and what a great pop album is, and how you can sort of blend genres and use yourself as a conduit to showcase that. Nice. Continue. Number three, 808s and Heartbreaks. 808s and Heartbreaks was the turning point. Um, the turning point of hip-hop, and I think a lot of people would agree. Uh, T-Pain, um, Jay-Z, of course, had that response, Death of Auto-Tune, right? And so right. T-Pain sort of ushered in, mm, some people may say the ruination of hip-hop or its salvation, but Kanye sort of broadcasted and blasted that feeling, and he changed the way people make hip-hop forever with that record. So Kanye is the bastard that fucked up hip hop and made everybody go auto tune. Thank you, or Kanye. The the Fuck you, Kanye. You Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> depending on who you ask, man. Depending on who you ask. Yeah, depending on who you ask. I got you. It did start trying. It did start trends. And he said Michael Jackson said he could sing, so he said, "Fuck it, I'm going to sing." But he wasn't singing; he was auto tuning. Fuck you, Kanye. Fuck you, Kanye. Thank you, Kanye. <laughs> you know? Okay. So the next one was Lil Uzi Vert. Now I'm very interested in that. Please tell me why. So Love is Rage, however you feel about it, it acts as the same bridge as 808s and Heartbreaks does. If Kanye is uh, homo erectus, right, he's the prototype mm -hmm. with that album, then Lil Uzi Vert, um, what he represents is sort of like homo sapien, you know, okay. in terms of the evolution. Uh, it's, it's Kanye broke boundaries with that in some way, and Uzi Vert is sort of just breaking boundaries down even more. And it's it's not just Uzi, but that album sort of stands as a capsule of what was happening in hip hop at the time, uh, which okay. is this like re renaissance of, which is neither negative nor positive of sort of melodic rap and triplet flows and where you can take that. And a lot of people took what he was doing and ran with it in their own way. Love it. Thank you for that answer. That was very eloquently said. Uh, and the last one was Rolling Stones. What was it again? Some girls. I just threw that in there because this question is honestly impossible but very interesting. And okay. I needed to throw some sort of rock and roll influence in there. Uh, that's okay. obviously a very influential rock and roll album. Honestly, I just threw that down. Oh, you just wanted to just change genres on people so they could listen to it? Well, you, Yeah, all of music. So I picked some of my favorites that I think matter. And that's all I asked for. That's what's up. I got three more questions for you, then we're going to close out this interview. How do you like the interview tonight? I mean, how'd you feel? It was great. I was very interesting and, and very introspective. It's definitely the most different and, and one of the more exciting interviews I've had, so thank you. Hey, man, if I didn't listen to your music, I couldn't make the interview because some questions, like the, the, the um, rapid-fire questions and what questions I give everybody since people want that. But most importantly, if I didn't listen to your music, I couldn't come up with the questions to ask you. So thank you for making the music that you make because you helped create this interview. All right? Thank you. So the last three questions. Let's 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 go down the list. You're from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has a music culture all of its own that separates it from the rest of the world, if not the United States, of the 49 states. Soon to be 51, I hear. What is the most important albums that came from Philadelphia that molded your ear? That molded my ear. 
Yeah. Um, hmm. State property. The first, okay. the first tape they dropped um, from Philly. Just albums overall or hip hop albums? Albums overall. State property. Uh, Love is rage for me as well. Uh, Meek Mill mm-hmm. dropped a tape called Flamers a long time ago. Uh, mm-hmm. That was very uh, influential to me at that time. How many? How many albums? Uh, it's up to you. Uh, you know. Oh, those three. Um, the Roots. I listened to that. It's the first album. It's a. It's a. It's a dark cover. Ah, man, things I fall apart. Called, yes, I used to. Li- dude, I used to listen to that all the time with my dad. And then um, when I used to work at Taco Bell, they would let me have the Ox, and I, I would put that album on as well. Um, so the Roots as well. Yep. Okay. Those are great artists, you know. I mean, you know, for what they are. Those are great artists. Uh, like I said, I'm not into, like, downing people. I mean, I may not like all your shit or all your music, but I give people the credit and respect of being brave enough to put it out there and influencing the world. So salute to all those people that you said. I think Philadelphia is um, a music a music capital that people don't talk about enough because they don't know music, you know. Um, just just to tell you, First Choice came out of uh, Philadelphia. You know First Choice? I do not. So you know the song Dr. Love? I'm unfamiliar. There you go. Now I gave you something to do. Do your homework on First Choice. And you'll see some, you'll hear some of the most prolific house R&B dance disco music ever made. I have to Period. apologize too. I for, I forgot Boys to Men, and I feel like I did myself a disservice. Like Boys to Men, like you have to put them in there too. Why not? Boys to Men are um, they're legends. You know, that's a great well, that's a great pickup. Yeah, yeah, I so, totally spaced on that. <laughs> well, you know, not too many people even talk about Boys to Men anymore. So, I mean, hey, I mean, you you put it you brought it back. So everybody, you know who Boys to Men are? Shame on you. Go search him out like he's going to search out first choice, right? <laughs> All right. right. Last two questions. Does Philadelphia hip-hop represent the best hip-hop in the world to you? Oh, man. I can't. Oh, this is going to give me such hot water. I, re- I, I record right in, in North Philly with a lot of rappers. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> the answer is no to that question. Who has the best hip-hop to you? New York City. What part of New York City? You want me to, you want me to say the Bronx, don't you? Nope. I want you to say what you want to say. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Um, what part of New York City? I New York as a whole. There's a lot of stuff coming out of a lot of different places. You know, you have Brooklyn, you have Queens, you have Queens Bridge. Like you have all these different places, and then you have the underground cats. So uh, all of New York as a whole, I think, has has sort of all of the boroughs in their own way, or most of the boroughs. Even Staten Island, like, come on, Wu-Tang. Um, a lot, just New York as a whole, man, the, everything. There's so much different stuff, so much, like, we wouldn't have hip-hop without New York. And they've made some of the greatest albums ever. Music, that's, period. That's very diplomatic, but I'm not accepting that. And I'm going to tell you why. Because New York doesn't even accept that. Because New York goes to war with each other all the time. Are you a fan of the Game of Thrones? Yes. That's New York City. You got the people in the north and the people in the south, the people with dragons, the people on the they, 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 All the boroughs go to war with each other. And while we say, yeah, New York, and they always say New York, inside of New York, New York don't get along. And I personally think Brooklyn 
has the hold on hip-hop because they were able to put together a project that was a hit that molded a genre of hip-hop that people don't respect anymore, which is the feature. The Crooklyn Dodgers are what makes Brooklyn ahead of the game with everybody in the world when it comes to hip-hop mm -hmm. music. So I have this question for you. If you had to put together your own Crooklyn Dodgers of just Philly artists, who would be your Crooklyn Dodgers? Who would be your top three MCs? And who would be the person making the beat to make your perfect Philly song? Hmm. Core. There's a guy named Core. You might know him. You might not know him. Uh, from Philly. Definitely in there. Super underrated. Mm -hmm. uh, should be huge by now. So Core. Townside Pop. He's a kid coming up in North Philly for sure. Tierra Whack, because she's the nicest female MC out right now. The nicest one from Philly. So that's your so three? Tierra, say again? That's your top three? Oh, I didn't know it was three. Yeah. Only uh, three. Only three rappers. That's it. Three rappers and one person to want to beat. Shit. Oh, fuck. You going to take them back? No, nah, I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to stand on that because I think they're capable of greatness. And I'm going to take uh, Working on Dying as the production duo, there, I mean, the production team. Okay. So everybody out there, you have new names. Go listen for them, some people. Give them respect. Let's see if they got something that you like. But always remember to come back to you in first because he put you there. So listen to his album, Sad Boy Season, first, you know. I want to thank you for appearing on Heritage Hip Hop because you gave us enlightenment and you gave us new music to listen to. And I support you and I thank you and I say, if you ever have any other projects, I have an open door policy. You do not have to be Billboard Top 100 to get interviewed. If anything that you want to do, hit us back up and let's make some semantic together again. All right? Sounds great. And even if I do hit that number one spot, I'm still going to call you. We're still going to do another interview for Eden, man. Thank you very much. Hey, man, it's all good because guess what? I don't ask the same questions twice. <laughs> Keep me on my toes, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we got to the final question, and this is for you. And it comes in terms of who you are. 500 years from now, when they go to the Philly Music Hall of Fame, and you win this there, and somebody pushes that red button, and your hologram comes out, and people 500 years from now are still listening to your music, my question is this. What is the legacy that you left behind that made the world better because you made hip-hop music? Well, I would hope the, the the blur would read, he was true to himself, be true to you. So everybody out there, be truthful. Because even though pain is truth, it's painful not to live with truth. If the power of life and death is in the tongue, tell the truth so you can give people life and not death. With that being said, this is Karev from Heritage Hip Hop with my man, You Truth. New album, Sad Boy Season, out right now. And we say peace, and we out. See, the most important gift about hip-hop is, whether you're from the suburbs or the inner city, you have a right to be heard. And nobody can stifle what it is that you do. But when you call it hip-hop, be sure it comes from your heart and tell your truth. And we'll see who can hear that truth and live that truth with you by appreciating who you are. Shout out to you win. And make sure... You check out Sad Boy Season, the new album from You Win, and see if you can relate. Some of the songs we talked about, I can relate to. You know, Sorry Not Sorry, and things of that nature. There comes a time when you got to cut people off, you know? But we're not in the cutting people off season. 
unless you deserve it. We want to when you want you to join us in the building of our foundation, which is Heritage Hip Hop. So please follow you when in all social media and make sure you follow Heritage Hip Hop on our social media. I mean, we're at HeritageHipHop.com and all members get exclusive music, great interviews, and great podcasts. We are on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm. We are on BoomUit, B-O-O-M-U-I-T-T.com. Follow us and we're also breaking singles. So send us your video and if you want it on there, let us know. We'll help you get it uh, recognized by some of those top DJs out there looking for talent. Also... I'm on TikTok now. I don't really like it, but maybe somebody can help me with that. You know what I'm saying? But HeritageHipHop.com is the home. We are on season three, and this is the first episode of season three of the podcast. And we thank you for joining us on this journey. If you would like to help out Heritage Hip Hop, you can donate to our cash app, which is dollar sign Heritage Hip Hop. Or if you want to like to buy merch, we have merchandise on storefrontier.com forward slash Heritage Hip Hop. If you're looking for hats, I mean, I'm not sorry, not hats hoodies t-shirts the hats are coming back and they're not coming from there but we'll have something special for you when it comes to that we're also looking to get to a thousand subscribers on our youtube so please if you want to help us we're waiting for you to join us over there you know what i'm saying so shout out to everybody who makes this possible shout out to transparent credit repair the superheroes of the financial literacy and credit repair world remember go to heritage hip-hop and sign up for uh services there shout out to mj's hip-hop connects fire jaw shout out to lex p shout out to michael bradley the goodfellas make sure you catch me on recap with the goodfellas weekly on youtube and on facebook shout out to bq of fatty's place my partner in crime my partner in rhyme salute and everybody out there who's with us shout out to henny sundays and all the other great podcasts in jersey media and hip-hop out there you know what i'm saying with that being said, I'm sorry I have to go because we have more shows to do and more great artists to bring you. So with that being said, this is Karev from Heritage Chips Hip Hop saying always be yourself, salute the most high in everything that you do, and peace, and we out. <laughs>